0: Now today, we, uh, we come to our continuing our study in the book of Acts, but we're taking a little detour this morning. Um, I'm not quite sure what it was advertised as today, but uh, what we were thinking of doing was to look at some of the characters who are maybe behind the scenes a little bit in terms of what God has been doing in the development of the early church that we've been learning about as we've studied the Book of Acts. And um, I think the term unsung hero was used. We had a working bee here at the church a couple of weeks ago and by lunchtime most people had packed up and were heading home. Mary and I came back to the church about five o'clock, to drop off uh, some food for the youth group's evening program. And I thought that somebody had left a poor small pair of steps out the front of the building there, and I thought, oh, they've been left there after the working bee. But when we came inside, no, they hadn't been left there because one of our unsung heroes, Damo, he was painting... And five o'clock, what were the rest of us doing last Saturday at five o'clock? I don't know, but Damo was here and he was painting in the foyer, making the place better, cleaning uh, the dirty marks off the wall, making it good for people to come into. Damo, well done, mate. Um, that's what unsung heroes do. They work behind the scenes. <laughs> They don't have to be told what to do. They see there's a need, they get in and they do it. And I'm sure the early church had plenty of people like that as well. Now Acts has lots of interesting characters. We could talk about lots of different people today. In chapter 9, last week we were reminded that it was Ananias who was that first, he had that first responsibility of being the, the one to demonstrate Christ's love to, to Saul uh, on the, after the Damascus Road experience. In chapter 10, we have the story of Cornelius. And by example, he showed uh, Peter that the gospel was for all people. In chapter 12, uh, there's a story of Rhoda. They're having a prayer meeting and they're praying for Peter and he comes to the door and Rhoda, the servant girl, is the only one who's quick to respond and recognises that it's Peter's voice and goes tells the rest. They tell her not to be silly. Uh, they're just praying for his release, but of course they didn't believe that God would answer the prayer. Uh, but Rhoda knew, all, uh, knew what uh, was happening, so she was the one that... Um, that made the way for Peter to find safety in Mary's house. In chapter 16 we have the story of Lydia uh, and she opens up her house to Paul and Paul in turn ministers there and a church is established at Philippi. So there are lots of different people that we could think about today. Does anyone know who Edward Kimball was? And he was not the fugitive, by the way, in case you're thinking. Edward... Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher uh, and he was a man who had influence into the life of D.L. Moody and as a Sunday school teacher he was instrumental in D.L. Moody becoming a Christian and of course those of us that are older will know that Moody went on to be one of the great American evangelists. Moody... um, Uh, through his evangelistic crusades, touched another man's life. That man was called Wilbur uh, Chapman. And Chapman went on to become an evangelist. And through Wilbur Chapman, a well-known American baseball player became a Christian, Billy Sunday. And those who are older will know the story of the influence that that man's life had on the work of the gospel. Uh, Billy Sunday teamed up with Chapman And they were instrumental in another young man coming to the Lord. His name was Mordecai Ham. And uh, when he grew and became an adult, Mordecai Ham held an evangelistic crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina. And there another young man came to faith. That man's name, Billy Graham. Uh, Billy Graham was credited, is credited uh, with preaching the gospel to more people than anyone else in our, in our lifetimes and in the history of the world. And while there's some doubt uh, about the exact nature of the conversions of those men, I've just read their names out and in the sequence of how it happened, um, there is one thing that is not in dispute. The chain of events that led from D.L. Moody becoming a Christian to Billy Graham hearing the gospel was because of the faithfulness of one man, Um, the faithfulness of uh, Kimball as he taught uh, his Sunday school class and took an interest in them. And today uh, we could talk about lots of different people in the book of Acts, but I want to talk about Barnabas and I hope that we can learn some things from his life that will be helpful to us this week. Uh, He ministered in the early church and had enormous influence on the people that he touched. In Acts chapter 11, verse 24, it tells us this, "'He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, "'and a great number of people were brought to the Lord.'" And I was reflecting on that as I was thinking he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And I thought, you know, uh, the world needs more people who are good men. Our church needs people who are good people full of the Holy Spirit. And it made me think, you know, I'm glad that the two Robs are here today and their wives, uh, because I just want to say to you guys, you've ministered in this church for far longer than I've been coming here. I've been coming for nearly 30 years and I know that, that in Rob's case he goes back to being a boy in the church. But you men have ministered in a godly way and you have bought into the life of the church through the work of the Holy Spirit an influence that has, that has paid enormous dividends for the development of this church over a long period of time. God bless you. As I I thought about Barnabas and I thought of the influence that he had, it made me think of other people who have had great influence, not only uh, in the church but in my life as well. Well, I want to consider some of those things about this good man today and perhaps uh, some of these insights might help you as you go into the week that's ahead. Let's read from uh, from Acts chapter 4 and verse 36 we have that very well known passage Um, if I was to ask you about Barnabas's life most people will know that he was one who we refer to as an encourager and that was reflected a bit in the things that were shared earlier the influence that we can have into people's lives but there's much more to this man than just simply that Acts 4 verse 36 and 37 says this, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. He was originally called Joseph. The apostles gave him the name Barnabas that means encourager, and the name comes from the same root Uh, often used by the Lord when he was talking about the Holy Spirit when it was referred to as a comforter Um, Barnabas is seen as one who provided help and encouragement, comfort and wisdom he was a Jew from the tribe of Levi and from Cyprus and they gave him a new name Uh, you know that story well I'm sure and you've been asked I'm sure before when people speak about Barnabas I wonder what sort of a name people might give you if they were to give you a new name. Uh, The peers who worked with Barnabas, those who knew him the best, gave him a name that reflected the nature of his character. Uh, And at different times in life, maybe people might refer to us in different ways and they might give us names that reflect different things. But the challenge... Um, From what I learn about Barnabas is that he obviously was a person who was very consistent and uh, and in giving him that name uh, they they knew how gracious he was with his words and uh, and they were moved uh, by that quality. James 3 uh, has that little segment about the use of the tongue in verses 5 down to verse 12 and it speaks of a person whose tongue is not under the control of the Holy Spirit um, and uh, what what a great fire can be, can be caused by just a small spark and what enormous problems can be caused by loose words and uh, by being uh, anything but an encourager. And uh, sadly, of course, in life it's much easier to criticise than it is to encourage. Uh, but Barnabas didn't appear to be uh, sh- somebody who did that. We read that he sold what he had to support the work of the church and having God at the centre of our possessions is not always easy. Um, I like sometimes the things that are mine. I don't know that I necessarily want to share them with you. Uh, And if you're truthful, you're probably a bit the same. Uh, And as a tradesman, I can tell you that I don't particularly like sharing my tools with people who don't look after them. (laughs) Uh, however, you do have to sometimes suck it up and, uh, and accept what happens. But I work with a person who's a total opposite nature to me. He would give you anything. And he doesn't care that you might abuse his equipment. Um, he just seems to have a generous nature about him. And that's just the sort of character it is. Uh if Raf wanted to borrow something, I'd probably be quite comfortable giving it to Raff because he's a tradesman. But then again, uh, there are sometimes situations where you feel a little nervous. Now, for example, I notice your husband's not here today, Carolyn, but he did borrow from me once a chainsaw. Now, giving a psychiatric nurse and manager a chainsaw, I was really concerned <laughs> that he had my chainsaw. <laughs> And I wasn't. And he also wanted the nail gun. So... <laughs> but Barnabas was, was obviously somebody who was willing to let God be at the centre of his possessions. And I don't say that that's always easy, but it's a good principle to live by. If we are generous and we hold loosely the things that God's entrusted to us, he can use them in the work of his kingdom. So uh, it didn't apply just to money but to time, to talent and Barnabas seemed to allow God to control all these things. Well, uh, that's a bit of background about Barnabas. Now there's a few specific things I, wanna, I want us to look at. Turn over to chapter 9 and uh, verse 26. Now last week uh, Rob shared with us about uh, the conversion of Saul. And he shared with us that uh, Ananias was the one that God sent to Saul uh, to help him initially. And then Saul decided that he would join himself to the, uh, to the other uh, religious uh, leaders at Jerusalem and become part of the Christian group there. Uh, verse 26 to 28 says this. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him not surprising, not, deliver- not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. And so Saul stayed with them and so on. Um, Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor of the church, had just got saved. Now, it's not surprising that the leadership in Jerusalem were cautious. Ringing in their ears would have been the threats that Saul had made against the Christians. But it made me think that often our cautiousness, our hesitancy, must hold back and hinder the work of the gospel and whether it's in the local church or our communities or whatever. And we can learn a lot about, uh, from what Barnabas did at this particular point. Chapter 9, verse 27 um, talks about this incident and I want to say that what Barnabas did here is, is absolutely critical for the health and well-being of the church. Church. It is a vital quality that's needed today. It can't be overstated. Paul opposed Christianity. His intent was to stamp it out. And what's it say of Barnabas? It doesn't say that he went to to Paul or Saul uh, with some special instructions to get the Jerusalem leadership on side. We can be good at that. We can give people special instructions about what they ought to be doing, but that's not what Barnabas did at this point with Paul. I'll refer to him as Paul. It's confusing when it's Saul and it's Paul, but we know who we're talking about, Saul and Paul, same name, uh, same person. It doesn't say that he drew him a map to find the back door to the synagogue uh, so that he could slip in that way or it didn't say that he told Paul who he ought to get on side, who he ought to suck up to, in the, who was the power players here and who would be the person that would help him get the best hearing. doesn't say anything about that. What does it say he did? It says he took him. He took him. Now that means that he had to go out of his way that means that he had to put work into this. This was effort on, on Barnabas's part. This wasn't just passing on some information to somebody who had a need. This was taking the time to get involved because at that point in time, that was what was needed to fix the situation. It cost him time and energy. He had to put his uh, reputation on the line. He took a risk. He took a risk. But we don't like to take risks. We're risk aversion. We, we would rather not take risks. And RAF is promoting the Alpha Course. We're going to have to take a risk here, a risk about inviting people to come, a risk about getting involved with people we don't know. But it's worth the risk. And Barnabas was one who was prepared to do that. We don't mind getting involved as long as it doesn't take too much time and we certainly don't want to get involved if it's going to affect our reputation. But that didn't seem to be a problem for Barnabas. As I prepared for today, I thought of... Um, When it was a done thing to pick up children for for youth group and Sunday school, we don't do those things anymore. But probably those of us that are older are used to doing that, going and picking up children, taking them to to church or youth group. You know, some of the most godly people in my early life were the taxi drivers. They were the people who went out of their way to to pick us up and, and take us to church. I remember when I first joined the church here, um, Bill Hutchinson Jr., who's not worshipping with us here today, but Bill, um, he purchased a small bus so that he could pick up the children in this neighbourhood and bring them to, to, the, to the Sunday school and to the youth group activities. That takes time. That's costly. But that's what good men do. Barnabas was a good man. Bill is a good man. And he took the time to, to, to get involved and make a difference. Well, I wonder when Paul might have ended up if Barnabas hadn't got involved or if his involvement had been just from a distance. Barnabas thought uh, Paul was worth taking a risk on. But for fear of people, we often fail to connect and we fail to take that risk. Paul needed a friend, and I would ask you today, who can you be a friend to? There must, be, there must be people in your life that you can be a friend to, that you can take a risk with, and maybe it will pay great dividend, as it did in the life of Paul when Barnabas was prepared to take his cause to the, uh, to the church of Jerusalem. Fear is often what stops us from doing that. What does uh, one uh, uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 say? Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. And that's God's word to us. We can all be a Barnabas in this sort of instance. We can all get involved with people. Fear not, for I am with you, God says. Yes. Well, look at chapter 11. Another aspect of uh, what was taking place here. In chapter 11, and verse 19, then to 24, we read this. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks. Also, it's a good thing, con. They took the message to the Greeks. Very good. Um, telling them that the good news, that this was the good news about the Lord Jesus, and the Lord's hand was on them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now this reached. Now this. A news of this rather, reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of God's grace, he was glad and encouraged them and to remain true to the Lord in all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Now this section tells us about the blessing that followed the scattering of the Christians following Stephen's death. And the news uh, of this blessing goes back to the church in Jerusalem. And we read here that even Greeks were becoming Christians. Now just think about that. No wonder the the established, self-righteous, proud Jews were rattled because things were happening different to what they expected that it would happen. And so they sent Barnabas to Antioch to check it out. Now Alistair Beggs, um, uh, some of us have had the blessing of hearing him preach at Belgrave, I think. Alistair Beggs says of this that uh, it is not everyone who can cope with change and new things. Not everyone is willing to see God's spirit at work in different ways. Now, what was happening here was that the after Stephen's persecution, uh, after Stephen's death, rather and martyrdom, and the persecution that had scattered the Christians, the church was growing, and the message of the gospel had gone both to the Jews and to the Gentiles, and Greeks were coming to the Lord, and uh, the church didn't like what was happening. So often because of prejudiced or preconceived ideas or, or previous teaching that we've had, we lock God into working in only one particular way. And if people come into the church that are different to us, they don't dress perhaps like we dress, they might uh, look different to us, they might be of a different nationality, They just are different. And so we stand off and we don't embrace them sometimes as we ought to because they're different. You know, verse 23 says that when Barnabas saw the evidence of God's grace, what does it say? It says he was glad. He was glad. He was glad, a feeling of joy and pleasure. He was delighted and pleased. How many of you feel this way when things are new and different? Do you embrace change? You see here, change was happening. God was doing something with this, uh, with, with in in spreading the early church to to all people, and the message of the gospel for all. And it was making the conservative um, church back in Jerusalem very uncomfortable because it was different. If we sing different songs today, does that make you uncomfortable? Do you hanker for the old hymns? I'd much prefer to have the old hymns, thanks very much. Well, we get some of those, but embrace change. Some of these new the, the new hymns are great, and if it helps another generation go on and worship God, what's the problem? But see we don 't embrace change easily. none of us particularly like change. as a church we 're experiencing change in our leadership. i don 't like it. I do, but i 'm just saying we often don 't like it, do we it 's different they 're going to do it different to what we used to do it, it won 't be the same anymore. Well Barnabas recognised that something different was happening and he embraced it and he sent a good report back and and because he was willing to embrace it more blessing was a result. Are you willing to take a risk on the changes that are happening here in our congregation? It's risky, we understand that. It's different, we understand that too. I wasn't here last week for the church meeting uh, and obviously um, it's taking a while for us to, to understand and process the changes that are being made. But we have good, godly men and women full of the Holy Spirit that are working on these things for us. And for those of us who are not directly involved, it does us well to embrace it and encourage those people and support them so that we see out of it our church grow and develop and expand. That's what we want. That's what we should be heading for. Barnabas was glad to see the grace of God at work. The Pharisees had so many rules and regulations that they couldn't see the forest for the trees. They were blind to what was really happening. They would peer down their self-righteous, self-serving noses and look down and condemn everything that was different. And I want to say we're often not much better than that. We do that. We mightn't do it consciously, but we still do it. Verse 23 says, he, was in, he encouraged them to be true to the Lord with all their heart. Barnabas was the reason that these new Christians stayed in the race. We desperately need more Barnabases today. Uh, Barnabas brought Paul to the church leadership And he went on to have a lifetime of fruitful ministry. Sadly, today we get uh, more criticism than we do encouragement in life. Hebrews 10.24 tells us that we should consider each other, how we might spur each other on to love and to good deeds. But we consider each other and then we decide how we can spur them on just to wind them up and not to encourage them to love and good deed. Uh, Barnabas was prepared to let God control everything of life situation I must hurry on the time's going Acts 11 Acts 12 Acts 13 we read this Barnabas and Paul Barnabas and Saul Barnabas and Paul they're going out they're ministering they're involved in this they're in that area they're in that area they're in another area and it always refers in those early chapters to Barnabas and Paul God had uh, more ministry for them and so in Acts 13, verse 2, it says the church said, or the Holy Spirit said to the church, out, separate out Barnabas and Saul for the ministry that I've called them to. And they went out. But later in the book of Acts, we read a reversal in the way the names are recorded and, we, and Paul seems to take the prominent role. Barnabas doesn't seem to have the same level of prominence. Barnabas is not referred to in the first person as he previously was. Now, what does this say to us? Well, Barnabas held loosely uh, to what he had what he had, and he allowed God to alter the circumstances and change the situation as God saw fit. Barnabas recognized the new new leadership was coming, and you know, I think he recognized that in Paul God was investing some skills and capacity that Barnabas didn't have. And he was willing to recognise that and to stand aside and let the work of God continue. And that is not easy. None of us find it easy to give up something that we've been involved in and working with and yet uh, it appears to me that Barnabas had that heart that allowed God to change the circumstances and recognised God's hand was on Paul in a special way and he was okay to work from the sidelines. Do you accept it when sometimes others can do it better than we can do it? There's one last thing I want to have a look at. It's found in chapter 15 and verse 36 down to verse 40 and it's this difficult period that Barnabas and uh, and Paul had. Verse 36. Some time later Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and we'll visit the brothers in the towns where we preach the word of God, uh, the word of the Lord, and see how they're doing. And Barnabas wanted to take John, who he also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So they had a sharp disagreement uh, and they parted company. And Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and left. Silas probably, if he had his way afterwards, might have decided it was better to go with Barnabas, by the way, for some of the things that happened. But let me say a few quick things about them. Here we have an insight into the humanity of Barnabas and Paul. Your face doesn't always suit everybody all the time not everybody loves you all the time not everybody likes me all the time we have to learn to deal with that we have to recognise that we are different but in being different we can still be respectful for one another just because things are different doesn't mean we have to get nasty doesn't mean we have to get narky. and I tell you what it doesn't mean you have to take your cricket bat and leave either Because so often we decide things are not going the way we like it and so we just pack up and decide we'll move on. That's not helpful either. Barnabas didn't do that when circumstances changed and when he and uh, Paul had this argument, uh, there were some interesting things uh, developed. Luke doesn't try to take sides here. He simply lets us know that they had a falling out. Barnabas the ever the encourager wanted to take John Mark Paul was not willing to take another chance with John What do we learn from this number 1 mark my words Jesus will build his church with or without your help He's not limited to using you He'll use you if you're available but he will do his work Regardless. With us or without us. And two mission teams developed as a result of this argument and the split. Number two, the disagreement disagreement causes pain. We need to recognise and acknowledge that. And if we have disagreement, yes there is pain. And the fallout over the argument that these guys had would have affected the churches that they ministered in and I'm sure that there were a lot of people who had to do a lot of work to mop up after this incident. Number three, forgiveness, reconciliation and restoration should always be the goal. Luke doesn't tell us the long-term outcome but elsewhere in the New Testament we get an insight into this. We, We know that forgiveness and restoration did take place and we all need to work on that with anybody that we've become estranged from. It took time to restore for the restoration to come. You can't rush it. Be patient. And number five, never give up on anybody. Paul. Uh, towards the end of his life called for John Mark. In Second Timothy, we have that recorded where he said, John Mark, he is useful to me in the ministry. He, I need him to come. So at some point, John and Paul obviously were reconciled and uh, and he was able to be useful in the ministry. And of course, John Mark went on to write the gospel that bears his name. I wonder, had Barnabas not encouraged him, what might have become of that young man? And and I think of us in the life of our small group of people who worship together here as a congregation, we we need to be willing to invest in one another's lives and especially our young people and see them grow and develop and if they make mistakes, let's work with them and, and see them go on to be the leaders and godly young men and women of the future. So in summary, I'll give you seven things for the next seven days number one God still needs good people number two God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things and Barnabas was one of those he had God at the center of all that was his number three God wants us to take risks for the kingdom Barnabas took a risk on Paul and he thought that it was worth getting involved with him and it turned out pretty good Take a risk on somebody with the Alpha course and let's see what God does with it. God does not always work in ways that we think he has to. Stephen was killed, the church was scattered and God blesses. Recognise that change is not necessarily bad. God wants you to be willing to support the new leadership, Barnabas and Paul and the leadership turned around and it became Paul and Barnabas and Paul became the prominent figure went on to give us all of so many of the books of the New Testament recognise that change comes and in that God can bless number six God doesn't promise that we will always have it plain sailing through life Paul and Barnabas had a bitter disagreement that took years to resolve, be patient Let God work through whatever difficult experiences you might have. And lastly, never give up on anybody. Barnabas saw the potential in John Mark and maybe today you're struggling with somebody in the congregation, one of your fellow believers. Maybe you're struggling with somebody in your family or your extended family. Maybe a colleague that you work with. Well, give God time to work in that situation and trust him to work out uh, his plan, his purpose in all that's happening. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be together today. Thank you for the life of this man. Help us to learn some of these principles and take them to heart that we would seek to be the disciples you want us to be. Father, thank you for the expansion of the church through the book of Acts. Help us to learn from it and see what is helpful and practical for us today. Pray your blessing as we depart in Jesus' name. Amen. Time to go for a cup of tea and anything else, Sam? That's it.